Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. On this week's Visitor's Edition, our guest will be the fine radio play-by-play voice of Penn State football, Steve Jones. A reminder, though, to please rate or comment on this show wherever you get your podcast from. I would also enjoy hearing your maize and blue thoughts on anything this season. Email me at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. As we do each show during the season... Let's get it rolling today with my view from Section 17. I'm excited but apprehensive about the game Saturday night. I watched Penn State like many of you on Saturday night at Iowa, and they looked really good. If you can go into Kinnick Stadium and handle that crowd and a very good Iowa team, that is impressive. This is a much better Penn State team than I thought it would be when the season started. I guess we shouldn't be surprised, though, They have had top 10 recruiting classes for the past four years or more. The major question at the start of the season was, how good will their quarterback play be? McSorley was outstanding the last three years, and his backup Tommy Stevens transferred after the season. So, in effect, last year's third-string guy would be the starter. Well, that guy is Sean Clifford, and he has one of the highest quarterback ratings in college football. If we can go into Happy Valley on Saturday night and get a W, it could propel this team forward with a huge confidence boost. This is the game, in my opinion, that will make or break this season. My guest today says he doesn't think Michigan will be affected in the least by the crazy atmosphere on Saturday night. He thinks it will be a very good game, and the outcome will hinge on turnovers, and we have a lot of work to do there. Penn State Radio play-by-play voice Steve Jones is my guest on this week's Visitor's Edition right here on The Michigan Man, in partnership with our friends at SB Nation's Maize and Brew.
Back with us this year is the radio play-by-play voice of the Penn State Nittany Lions, Steve Jones. Steve, once again, great to have you on the show. Pleasure. Great to be with you. Well, Steve, a huge win on the road Saturday night in Iowa City, and, man, that was a very physical game, wasn't it? It was, and they beat them at their own game because Iowa wants to win time of possession. They want to win giveaway, takeaway, and they want to win field position. It's part of their formula. Penn State ended up winning all three in that game, and I think that's the reason they won the game, that they beat Iowa at their own game. And I was uh, very impressed watching the game. Really, other than highlights, it was the first chance I had to sit down and watch Penn State. Liked what I saw on both sides of the ball, but let's talk about the offense first, beginning with the play of quarterback Sean Clifford. He has been the model of efficiency for this team, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been about 65% on the year. He's only thrown a couple of interceptions, which has been critical along the way. For the most part, his accuracy has been his calling card. But I also think uh, something else has been important for him. He's a much better runner than I think people realize. And there was a play in the fourth quarter where they dialed up on a third and ten a quarterback draw, and he got 12 yards on the first down. I think that's something that before the season we all thought he could do, but I don't think anybody else across the country thought he could do. This element that he's been able to bring to the table that really has helped. No, absolutely. I don't think a lot of us knew uh, about his wheels, and that was very impressive. Uh, he's one of those guys, you watch him, he doesn't look like he's fast. You know, Todd Blackledge said he has his 40 time at about 4 or 5 right now, but he knows how to get out of that pocket. He just feels when to leave and head for green grass. Well, he does, and he's actually, at the uh, combine, Trace McSorley turned in, I want to say the fastest, the second fastest 40-yard time in the combine last uh, February, March. The, the 40 time of Sean Clifford's better than Trace McSorley. Uh, it's just a question of how you operate that three to five foot circle in the pocket. And I think he's operated there pretty well, but his straight line speed is outstanding. Well, until Saturday, had been uh, sort of running back by committee, four backs with 28 or more carries. Uh, but Noah Kane yeah. seems to have separated himself, uh, especially against Iowa. He looked good. Noah Kane's the definition of a downhill runner. He's a no-nonsense person. He's all business. He's a no-nonsense running back. He's the kind of guy, Mike, that if you hit him at, at three, he'll fall and get to five. If you hit him at five, he'll fall and get to seven. So he's the definition of a downhill runner. I don't think it's any coincidence that Penn State closed the game on its terms and he was the guy in the game helping them do it because the offensive line was able to play downhill and had a downhill runner behind them to close. Well, he sort of uh, is a Penn State uh, central casting back. He looks like we've seen him before uh, come out of Happy Valley. But what was really impressive is we had seen the Iowa defense the week before. This is a big, strong defense. And when there wasn't much there, he just takes on the D-linemen and the backers, and he runs right at you. He is a strong, strong kid. Yeah, he had 102 yards rushing in the game, and his longest run was 12 yards. So he is somebody that's physical. He, uh, again, has that, that lean, but I also think Penn State, it's interesting how all four backs seem to have their own style, and his style really fit that moment in the game for Penn State. Is he a burner, Steve, a guy that can uh, take it to the house? Uh, I would say Devin Ford and Journey Brown are those two guys among the running backs. Kane's uh, the kind of guy who has that burst, and that burst especially, I'd like to see what his 10 time is and what his 20 time is. 
as opposed to his 40 time. Because yeah. I think his 20 time would tell you about the burst that he has that allows him to get into that second and third level. Well, another weapon on that Penn State offense I think that scares uh, a lot of us is K.J. Hamler, who you know, Todd Blackledge mentioned during the game reminds him of Percy Harvin. Uh, one heck of a playmaker, isn't he? He's a great playmaker, a guy you have to get your uh, the ball into his hands. I don't think he had a, had, you know, anybody who has a four-two-seven forty guy sitting on the outside, you want to get the ball into his hands. So he's on the tick return team. He's on the punt return team. You can get the ball to him on a reverse, even though they haven't really done it that much this year. And you want to get him into as many situations where he you can get him into space. Mm-hmm. Last year when Penn State played Ohio State, they ran a shallow cross. And on the shallow cross, he took it, and then he went 93 yards for a touchdown. That's what he's capable of. So he can beat you one-on-one with his speed. But then if you do something shallow with him and it's in space and you've given him space, then he's going to create a big problem for you. Well, I'm a tight end guy, and another impressive piece of this offense is big tight end Pat Firemuth. Uh, he is a load, and I, I thought he got in the end zone Saturday night. I don't know how they over uh, overturned that one. Well, they did, but you know what? They won the game, so it didn't really matter in the end. It just hurt Pat's stats. But, look, this is the, the two tight ends, not just Firemuth, it's Nick Bowers, too, the senior, that have really – made a difference because the two of them are complete players in that H-back tight end spot, Mike, because <clears throat> they can take those guys and they can pull them into the hole and use them as blockers like fullbacks, but they're also really good with their hands. And so Bowers is averaging like 27 yards a catch. Fryermuth had a game against Pitt where he had nine receptions, now, let's face it, the tight end many times can be a quarterback's best friend, and mm-hmm. these two guys have been really good. Well, before the season, there were plenty of questions about this offense, maybe outside of State College, but mainly because of all the pieces they lost. But this is now, as we're seeing, a very, very good offense with a young budding star in Noah Kane at running back. And the good news is it, it should get better as the season progresses, Steve. Well, I think part of that has been they've got a defense that allows them to get better. Uh, so the defense allows the offense to buy time to get better as time goes. Uh, Penn State, though, has played a couple of really, really good defenses this year. I mean, Pitt has a very good defense. Iowa, as you know, after watching them against Michigan, has a very good defense. So they were able to do enough in each game offensively to win the game. When you look at the 85-yard drive that they put together for a touchdown, that was big. They were able to convert the other drive. 35 yards at the Brisker interception, that was big. And then, of course, when they had the chance to put the game away at the end, they were able to gobble up first downs and eat the clock out and, and close the game on their terms. Well, let's talk about that Nittany Lion defense uh, for just a minute, Steve, uh, which has allowed the offense uh, time to grow and mature. They are physical. They are long. That is one heck of a defense, and they put up some crazy numbers so far this year. Well, the big part is not just physical and long, it's speed. Yeah. They have speed across the board. <clears throat> and it's not just speed in the first 11, it's speed all the way through the, the next 11. Good examples, they're playing Maryland, and Micah Parsons got hit with a targeting call, which, by the way, was the right call in the first half of the game. And, in fact, it was the first quarter. So we had to exit, and Jesse Lucetta came in. And Lucetta, you would know that whether it was Parsons or Lucetta on the field, Lucetta turned in a great performance. And they play a lot of people. 
And the idea is by playing a lot of people, he can keep the speed out there the entire time and thus can be fresher in the fourth quarter. But it's the speed that has made the big difference in that defense. Everybody can run. Well, and they were very impressive. You could tell that on uh, on Saturday night. But the guy that jumped out at me was Robert Windsor, D-lineman. Yeah. He looks yeah. like a one-man wrecking crew, Steve. Windsor, at the middle of last year, really started to come on. And I know he had considered of the possibility of going to the draft because he had played so well final four or five games of last year. But he decided to come back. And when you've got Etor Grossmatos on the outside, Shaka Tony on the outside, you know, now you've got to account for them. That pressure up the middle where you can get directly into the face of a quarterback creates so many problems. And he is also very confident with whatever matchup he has in front of him. Windsor's play has really elevated the defense because it's given them that extra element in the middle that a really good defense needs, that pressure straight into the face of the quarterback. Well, he jumped out at me Saturday night. I mean, they were double-teaming him and uh, could not keep him out of the backfield. There's so much talent on that defense. Can you just throw a few of the other names at us, Steve, that we should watch out for Saturday? Sure. P.J. Mustafer is a backup defensive tackle that's really come on. I mentioned Shaka Tony and Yitor, and I mentioned Micah Parsons, who's just a great athlete out there. Uh, Jan Johnson is a senior, fifth-year senior middle linebacker who's the glue to the defense. He really has the ability to get everybody into the right spots. Uh, Cam Brown's a fourth-year senior on the outside who's got length and really knows how to play. The two corners, Tariq Castro-Fields and John Reed, are probably both NFL guys in the end. Garrett Taylor at safety. And then Lamont Wade is a guy that a lot of people here I've been waiting to see if Lamont Wade could really be a contributor at Penn State. He came in as the Pennsylvania Player of the Year a couple of years ago. A lot of accolades, and it's taken him a while to get going. And now it turns out this is junior season. He's turning in a spectacular year. Well, Penn State's recruited at an elite level for years now. We know that. Uh, and even though some people might be surprised at how well they're playing this year, I, maybe we shouldn't be. This team is completely loaded with talent, isn't it, Steve? I think the, the, the deal, Mike, is is that it was young. And when it's young, it's unproven. And, and when you look at a football team in the offseason, what's the first thing that if you, you're trying to get a handle on a team, what's the first thing you look at? Do they have a returning quarterback? Mm-hmm. Penn State did not have its returning starter. So a year ago, there was a lot of uh, expectation about Penn State because they had Trace McSorley back for the third-year quarterback. That elevates your off-season profile automatically. But I think because Penn State did not have that, which every once in a while you have to go through, people weren't sure how good Penn State could be because they had to replace the quarterback. Well, now it turns out that a lot of this young talent, which is one thing James Franklin does, the other part to talk about playing a lot of people, Mike, Mm -hmm. when you play a lot of people, they get experience. Right. Well, a lot of these guys played last year. Wade played last year. Luketa played last year. Parsons played last year. Mustafer played last year. The the wide receivers all played last year. Dotson played a lot last year. Uh, Slade and Journey Brown played last year. If Firemuth played last year. But they were all, in. for the most part, a lot of those guys were backup roles. But they played... 40% 40% of the plays last year. Mm-hmm. Well, that's something 
that gives you the game experience. So now when you put them into a game, the game doesn't seem so fast to them. And I think that's the part that, you know, when you're trying to call, replace starters, which every team has to do, well, you know, when you're doing it with guys that have already played, which we know and the outside world may not know, you realize you got something better than other people realize. Well, Steve, I'm not sure if you've seen much of Michigan this year, but your early impressions of how these teams match up Saturday night. Well, you know what? Michigan's interesting uh, because I know Shea Patterson's very good, and I know the two running backs each had 100 against Illinois, which I think is impressive. The wide receivers are very good. Uh, you know, Tariq Black, Donovan Peoples-Jones, you know, Bell. You know, I like Charbonnet. He's tough, hard-nosed. I was impressed by Hassan the other day. Defensively, I'm a big Uche guy. I just think he gets in the game, you're like, okay, we're six. Uh, Quiddy Pay, I think, is tremendous. Uh, I look at Josh Metellus. That is a big-time major league safety there. Uh, I think when LaVert Hill's out there, that's a big-time major league corner. I mean, they have athletes. They, you know, I think they're aggressive. I mean, I, you can tell they're still getting used to what Josh wants to do offensively because it is a change. I mean, there's no getting around it. It is a change. I think it has not hurt to get some confidence by playing Illinois. It doesn't hurt to have some confidence by playing Rutgers. I think the Iowa game showed that they have uh, a mental toughness to win a tough, hard-nosed football game. So that's the kind of Michigan team I'm expecting to see Saturday night. Well, it's going to be a tall order because, as you know, the uh, Michigan has struggled uh, with turnovers this year, and you you get into uh, Happy Valley with that environment. Uh, I think a lot of our fans you talk to can see maybe a game like the last time we were there that gets out of hand, especially if you make mistakes. It is a tough environment, Steve, isn't it? Well, it is a tough environment, but you know what? I, it's to me. Environments like that, and I talked about this when Penn State went to Kinnick last week. People were saying, oh, my goodness, the environment. I said, look, the environment helps the home team. The environment, to me, only affects usually the offensive tackles because if they can't hear signals or you're trying to do silent count, you can jump, all right? That's where it affects. Uh, Michigan's not going to be bothered, you know. I mean, Shea Patterson's not going to be bothered playing in the environment. It's just going to be the communication part of it that they're going to have. But it's also fun. I think you want to play in in a stadium with 111,000 like Michigan. You want to play in a stadium like 110,000 like Penn State. You embrace that and you have fun with it. And I think that's what makes it great. See, college football is way above the NFL right now in terms of environment. Oh, yeah. And Jack Ham and I and I, and I were talking about that before Iowa, which was a strike out. You don't get that in the NFL. You don't go to you know you don't go to, to Ann Arbor in the NFL and see 111,000 people. You don't get that in the NFL. You go to Penn State and have a complete whiteout in a stadium for a football game where everybody's and they're doing you know it's all part of the fun of college football, right? And sometimes I wonder if the NFL is missing out on the fun part because it becomes so corporate. <laughs> I think you're right about that. Well, as you mentioned, it's going to be a whiteout. It's a night game. Game day is going to be there. These are special yeah. days, aren't they, Steve? They really are. And it's interesting you brought up the turnover part. I'm, the part that's really surprised me about Michigan is the number of fumbles. Yeah. Uh, because last year they lost three fumbles the entire season. Mm-hmm. This year they've lost nine. 
And I think uh, giveaway takeaway part is going to be an important part of this game. If Michigan can come in here and take care of the ball, that gives them a really good shot. If they get sloppy with it, then it opens the door for Penn State. But you're right. It's going to be fun. This is, you know, look, there's certain weekends you circle all the time. You know, it's like Michigan always circles the Ohio State week. I think some Michigan fans, I think, also circle the Penn State week is another one. You know, the Michigan State week probably as well. It's the weeks you circle that are the weeks you say, all right, I cannot wait to wake up and go there. It's going to be a great environment, a great game. Everyone's looking forward to it. Our guest here on our show today as we get ready for the big weekend at Penn State is Steve Jones, radio play-by-play voice of the Nittany Lions. Steve, always a pleasure to have you on the show, and we look forward to our next visit already. Mike, it's a pleasure, Mike. Thanks so much. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew. On quick hits today, once again, not much to report on the injury front. Jim has said he is hopeful that we will see Quiddy payback, as well as Lavert Hill. No update on Nico Collins. My guess is even if you have minor aches or pains, you will be ready to go for a game like this. Here are some game day notes. Michigan is 14-8 and all-time against Penn State. The first meeting was a 21-13 win at Happy Valley on October 16, 1993. Last year, we prevailed 42-7 in Ann Arbor. James Franklin is in his seventh year as head man, and his record is 51 wins against 21 losses. Last year, they were 9-4, 6-3 in the Big Ten, good for third in the East. They fell 27-24 to Kentucky in the Citrus Bowl, and they finished the season at number 17 in the Coaches Bowl. The weatherman says it should be a really good night for football, Temps will be in the 50s, dipping into the 40s during the game. It will be breezy, but it's going to be dry. So get ready. In my opinion, this is the swing game for our season. Find a way to win however you do it, and we could be on our way. Lose this one? Well, who knows where the season goes from there. So be positive, think victory, beat Penn State. That will do it for another week. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine weekend, everyone, and enjoy the game. Until we meet again next week when we get ready for a visit from the Fighting Irish, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls, at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go blue.